The controversial makeover of the Department of Conservation has sparked fears that it could all turn out badly. DOC has been revamped with the aim of greater efficiency and strengthening partnerships with the community and private sector. But as this Insight program reports, many involved in conservation are worried. New Zealand sells itself to the rest of the world on the basis of its natural beauty, untouched wilderness and unique wildlife. The outdoors is also close to many New Zealanders' hearts. Given the significance of protecting what is arguably the nation's greatest asset, a decision was made to set up the Department of Conservation just over 25 years ago. The legislation set out these core functions. The management for conservation purposes of all land and natural and historic resources held under the Conservation Act. The preservation of recreational freshwater fisheries and habitats and indigenous freshwater fisheries so far as is practicable. Conservation advocacy and the fostering of recreation and allowing tourism on conservation land, providing the use is consistent with the conservation of the resource. While the legislation remains the same, the way the department now operates has changed. Funding is tight, jobs have been lost, and it's been restructured. Working under the catchphrase, Conservation for Prosperity, the department's latest annual report speaks of a need to be truly clean and green, not just in a few places. To reach this point, the people who take the most from nature need to give the most back. For this reason... DOC is focusing in particular on working with business. We believe that conservation can be good for business, and business can be good for conservation. DOC is changing the way it sees and does its work, and aims to engage all New Zealanders, communities, landowners, local government, iwi, and the private sector. Not all are happy with the changes, with criticism that the reorganisation has been detrimental to the department. The Minister, Nick Smith, rejects such suggestions and says new ideas were needed to tackle the challenges that still exist. He says while New Zealand scores well against most other countries when it comes to measures on air and water quality and area and national parks, it's another story when it comes to figures for biodiversity. The one that just sticks out as being the area where we've got an enormous challenge as a country is in terms of biodiversity and the loss of it. In every one of those international surveys, I'm sorry to tell you, out of the UN of 196 members, New Zealand's consistently in the bottom 10 having some of the most number of species that are on the brink of going out the back door. So are wider partnerships the answer? I'm Philippa Tolley and this insight explores whether the Department of Conservation is heading in the right direction. Everyone involved in conservation acknowledges the huge contribution made by volunteer organisations like this forest and bird group working on the Greendale Reserve at Waikanae on the Kapiti Coast. And, and we, I mean, we get eels in the stream, um, we've seen crayfish in the stream also, um, which is perhaps not a good thing because in the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other sorts of fish in there as well, you know. Members meet weekly, and since the work started in 1998, they've planted about 16,000 trees, starting alongside the Moapoko stream. It's linking up between Kapiti and, and the uh, Tararua, so you're getting green corridors for birds to, to fly up and down. So if you go up in the Tararua or in Hemi Matanga, you'll find carcass which are coming over from Kapiti. 
The land was originally pasture, handed to the council as part of an agreement over a housing development. And work now amounts to pest control and tasks such as weeding around young trees. Has anybody got the job of bringing morning tea? Oh yes, it's most essential that we're, we always get our priorities right. Developing such partnerships has become more central to DOC's work and in its annual report the department states that it's become increasingly apparent that no one organisation, including DOC itself, can tackle all the environmental challenges on its own. That view was echoed by the new Director-General, Lou Sanson. There is huge goodwill in the community. You know, young people want to be in conservation. The baby boomers, as they retire and shift, you know, maybe shift out of Auckland and live in Wanaka and Blenheim and place like that, want to give something back. So we've got to say, how are we going to involve these people who actually want to be involved? It's part of being a Kiwi. Speaking to a conference of community conservation groups in Dunedin, the minister, Nick Smith, spelt out what he saw as the reasons for the transformation. DOC needs to be more outward-looking and engaging with community organisations. It does. I'm sorry. I constantly get, from all around New Zealand, a frustration that DOC is not open enough about involving others in the important work that's involved in. DOC does need to be more nationally consistent and more efficient. And what I mean by that is, in my experience with the department, you know, I get about 50 or 80 letters every week, in one part of DOC and one part of the country, they do things one way, in another part of the country, completely differently, simply because there's a different conservator. Well, actually, I'm sorry, DOC is one department. And equally so, there are very real efficiency gains. If the game is around trying to get the maximum conservation gain for that 335 million that we get, it makes good sense for the department to be more efficient. But the Green Party's conservation spokesperson, Eugenie Sage, argues far from gaining efficiencies, the department has already spent $13 million on the reorganisation that could have been spent on protection work. She thinks the burden on the community will be too high. The department's expecting that 60% of conservation work be done by the community. That is totally unrealistic. Corporate sponsorship budgets in New Zealand are small because of the small size of the country. Volunteers put in a huge amount of work, whether it's doing predator control, trapping, uh, riparian planting. But you cannot have uh, volunteers doing work with a lot of our threatened species. They simply don't have the expertise. And Labour's conservation spokesperson, Ruth Dyson, believes the reorganisation will break community connections apart rather than rebuild them. What DOC has done is said that they want to build better partnerships and at the same time have pulled out their staff who have had those community links. So they've lost a lot of their community connection. Forest and Birds advocacy manager Kevin Hackwell says on a practical level there's only so much you can ask of ordinary people. You can't say to a volunteer, you've got to work from, from 9 to 5 for the next 5 days doing X, Y and Z. You can't do that, the volunteers. So there's, there's only so much volunteers can legitimately be expected to do or will do. And so you can't, you can't replace um, the professional 9 to 5 
you know, not just um, five days a week, but often much more that you have with uh, uh, department staff by saying, I will do more volunteer work. Volunteers can't handle toxins or do various jobs. You wouldn't expect volunteers to, to be doing a whole pile of jobs which you need professionals to do. And there's a real worry that you're going to end up with lots of little projects and lots of effort going into them, but actually not a lot of conservation benefit necessarily flowing from it for the effort for the, and the resources. At the conference in Dunedin, groups from all over New Zealand were hoping to share ideas about how to further their work and discover what their relationship with DOC would be under the new system. A North Canterbury farmer, Nicky MacArthur, has a colony of nationally endangered Hutton shearwater seabirds living on her property at the head of the Puhipuhi Valley near Kaikoura. Hutton shearwaters are the only New Zealand seabirds that breed in subalpine environments and nest in burrows up to three metres long. Nikki MacArthur faces an entirely different situation as a private landowner rather than a community group trying to protect the colony on her land. We have pretty well helicopter access only into that six and a half thousand feet. To come out it's three to four hours down ropes and very difficult country. I really have to hand pick who goes in um, when we do our stoke trapping program. And the dock staff that accompany my staff is it's absolutely fantastic. But ongoing goat trapping um, shooting program um, or culling program where we took out 450 goats last year, all those sort of aspects, we really need that funding. Another group working with seabirds is the West Coast Blue Penguin Trust. It tries to raise awareness of the threats to the blue penguin population and gets involved in practical conservation efforts on a coastal stretch equivalent to the distance between Auckland and Wellington. During a coffee break at the conference, the Trust's chairperson, Kerry-Jane Wilson, described some of the difficulties confronting them. We have a small population on the West Coast. Not many people who have the time and energy to volunteer. We always find it hard to find trustees, to find people who will get out and do the hard yakka. Lots of people would be prepared to build nest boxes or traps, but I've got a whole paddock full of those at the moment. Uh, I want to get rid of the damn things. It's finding young, fit people who have bush skills to go out and do the work where it's needed. And that, I think, is something that people don't uh, realise. Most of us who are doing voluntary work, at least with the West Coast Penguin Trust, and I think it applies to a lot of the others, are in our 60s. Uh, We're not as fit and able as we were 20, 30 years ago. The meeting in Dunedin was organised by the Yellow-Eyed Penguin Trust, and aim to help what it calls citizen-initiated conservation as responsibility for looking after New Zealand's biodiversity increasingly falls on the community. A founding trustee who also works as a technical advisor at the Department of Conservation, Ewan Kennedy, is positive about the new DOC structure and the better access his organisation has to specialist help. But he says everything comes back to money. As more and more trusts come along, Um, The Minister said 200. I think there might actually be more than that. Um, It's going to get harder and harder to find that money. New Zealand's a small country. um, The funding catchment is quite small. We're going to have to think innovatively about um, people who could help us, um, people who don't at the moment, 
but we might have to think about going overseas as well. And, and um, our trust is already doing that. We, we uh, just had people at the International Penguin Conference in Bristol. Uh, one of their jobs was to find money for a science position for us here. As part of what Doc calls the transformational change that came into effect at the beginning of September, there are beefed up sections within the department trying to foster that business support for groups such as the Yellow-Eyed Penguin Trust. The department's Director-General, Lou Sanson, said Doc had to find a way to share the workload. So if we take a much more open door about enabling others to work with us, we're just in a far better space. And the recognition that conservation is, is really good for the economy as well, it's part of our, our brand of New Zealand. Tim Fraser's job at DOC is to identify and develop business partnerships and he acknowledges the fears that DOC will suck up funding being chased by community groups. Oh, DOC, this new commercial direction, you're heading off and you're going to be getting more resources and you're squeezing the, the poor community trust. No. What it is is that we are working with businesses and businesses will be looking for certain, uh, certain opportunities and it may be that with Air New Zealand it works at a national scale, it works really well. Uh, but it might be for other type of um, businesses and corporate entities that it's actually the direct connection into the communities that work really well. But many are anxious that while backing might be there for clean water or the fluffy and cute such as penguins and kiwi, less attractive activities such as 1080 drops for pest control could be much less attractive to business interests. However, Dr Smith is adamant there is no suggestion of the government saving money by relying on funding from the corporate sector. Both business and conservation groups do not want to be in the space of saying if we do the hard grunt, if we do more, if business steps up to the plate, does that simply mean government is going to step back? Because that's a zero-sum game. And I want to reassure you that that is absolutely not the case, that this is a partnership and that the government is committed to doing its block and its share of the hard lift around these conservation challenges. But Dr Smith made no apologies for the government belt tightening and its aim to balance the books. And he rejected claims made previously in the media that Doc was being cut to the bone and becoming the latest endangered species. The main union at the department is the Public Service Association. Its national secretary, Brenda Pilot, says she can see no logic for the $8.7 million budget cut in the current financial year, which follow cuts of $54 million in 2009, when everyone talks about how important conservation is and that it is at the heart of New Zealand's tourism industry. Labour's Ruth Dyson fears the influence business could have if DOC is no longer a robust, independent entity in its own right. As long as DOC is very strong and resourced to be able to say, here are our priorities and, and nothing can alter them, and then sponsorship for additional programme can be put on top of that. What I think is happening is that sponsors are now able to reprioritise for the department because of the resources they're offering, and that's not a good state for a government department to be in. Ewan Kennedy of the Yellow-Eyed Penguin Trust has flagged another possible problem with corporate partnerships. Trusts like ours are heavily reliant on their reputations and public approval. No public approval, no support, no funds. And so we do have to be careful about the relationships we form with um, sponsors and companies or other interests but my particular view is we stand a better chance of changing behaviour through a good 
working relationship than you do by turning your back on a potential sponsor. Tim Fraser says Doc recognises there could be perceptions that the department has sold out. That's a very real fear and the department um, in the early days uh, saw that as a significant risk and what we did is we developed a series of principles in working with commercial partners and that guides us. There's reputation risk, there's um, transparency, in other words the agreements must be transparent. You know, We're not hiding anything. We also maintain our ability to uh, sit across the table on some of those hard discussions. So in other words, there's no buying out of the department, so we can still enter into consent hearings and things on opposite sides. But the reorganisation hasn't just raised questions over the new focus on partnerships, it's also had an effect on staff. The department's 11 conservancy districts were reduced to six, and a news release at the time of the new structure spoke of 110 people leaving DOC from around the country. Many people have been upset by what they see as a loss of expertise and institutional knowledge. But those working on the ground still appear to have high regard for dock rangers. Machu Soames Island in the Wellington Harbour has been opened to the public as a Department of Conservation, Scientific and Historic Reserve for nearly 20 years. In 2008, Machu Soames Island returned to the ownership of Tiatiawa, but continues to be managed by the department, with rangers such as Emma Dunning living and working on the island. So the first one is a bag and pocket search. It involves opening up each pocket of your bags, having a good rummage around, right down into the bottom of this. We are looking for rats and mice. Such bag checks help keep Machu Soames a predator-free island. It's home to wildlife such as tuatara, skinks, giant weta and kakariki, or red-crowned parakeets. After welcoming visitors off the ferry that calls several times each day, Emma Dunning is off on the next task, checking tracking tunnels that twice a year are loaded with special cards to make sure no rodents have made it onto the island. It's uh, what we call an ink card, uh, so it's got two plain bits of card on each end, a blob of ink in the middle, and we stick um, peanut butter in the centre, uh, which is a uh, lots of things like to eat peanut butter, so rats, mice, stoats, um, stoats people. answer people, ants, wetters. Um, so um, basically this one here has only got one little bug mark on it, but as we head around you'll, we'll get some that have got skink and wetter prints and stuff on them uh, so really we're looking for um, mouse prints or uh, rat prints um, hoping that we don't find them so it's part of our um, monitoring to make sure that we are still predator free. Volunteers have played a huge part in returning the island to native bush but the effort has been in the past and continues to be coordinated by the rangers. In September DOC employed about 1800 staff members 260 fewer than in 2009. Although not so many positions have been lost in the most recent restructure, many speak of low morale. The PSA's Brenda Pilot says union organisers have described staff as feeling shattered. I think one of the particular characteristics of this, this change process is that they lost a, a, a layer of people who were called programme managers. And the story that was put out by DOC and, and indeed by the Minister was that this was cutting out a management layer. 
and we think that's a very misleading um, description of what these people were. These were some of the sort of technical experts, the program leaders, the people who had very um, deep and direct knowledge and experience of particular areas of work. The PSA and Forest and Bird do not think the new parallel structure with frontline conservation services on one side and the partnership structure on the other is the best model. The PSA says its members expressed fears about accountability being split. Brenda Pilot says the structure that has just been changed was put in place after the Cave Creek accident in 1995. Fourteen young people died when a viewing platform collapsed. Brenda Pilot says the union is wary of similar problems which contributed to the tragedy arising again. Those were problems about accountability and who's responsible for particular things and knowing who, who was the person who needed to, who had the authority to make decisions. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing a little, but it, it was to do with clear structures and lines of accountability. We felt that the restructure that DOC has just done muddied those lines of accountability and that was a concern that our members expressed over and over again in their submissions. We did commission an external report and we provided that to DOC and to the um, Minister. Um, they, they didn't respond well to it at the time um, but I believe that the issues in it were ones that said it's not a matter of restructuring, it's a matter of making sure you've got the right, the right leadership in place, people who know what they're doing. DOC's Director-General Lou Sanson says it will be a key part of his role to make sure the new structure works and that there are clear lines of accountability, particularly with safety in everything DOC does. But Forest and Birds' Kevin Hackwell says the new structure has set up what he calls silos of operation. Within even a super region, which they now have, there's nobody at the top of each of those regions who actually um, makes the decision if there's a conflict. It's just a ridiculous process. You've got actually sometimes the managers of the operational section, in fact in most cases the managers of the operational section and the managers of the relationship sections are in different cities within these super regions. And so therefore the department with this new structure has a, another little team which is called the integration managers. So they meant to try and help them um, you know, integrate, which is just ridiculous. If you have to set up an integration system, um, then you know you, your fundamental system is unlikely to work very well, and that's a real, real worry. That focus on the private partnership sector has prompted questions about DOC's independence. Labor's Ruth Dyson points to the decision to allow open-cast mining on the Deniston Plateau on the West Coast and the department's support for a contentious proposal for a $250 million monorail through the DOC-managed Snowden Forest, a beach forest in the Te Waipunamu World Heritage Area. There will always be a lot of debate around the role of concessions, the role of businesses, um, what value we place on conservation land and the obvious tension that we've had exhibited in, in recent examples um, for, uh, like on the Deniston Plateau, the tension between conservation values and the so-called benefit that might be gained from extraction activity. So those tensions were there at the start. The department had a very clear mandate to be the voice of conservation and uh, I think that advocacy is just about completely gone now and that's a tragedy. But DOC's Director-General Lou Sanson is adamant that if strong natural values were at risk, the department would hold a strong position in the debate. He says closer cooperation with the private sector won't cut off DOC's option when it comes to Resource Management Act advocacy and planning. 
but he believes at times it's better to work in cooperation, highlighting the dairy industry and the work to improve water quality. I think Fonterra has been quite inspirational and they have taken one of our staff into their organisation. So it's actually very much working from the inside out and, and helping them and them helping us. Being inside with Fonterra has to be a hang of a lot more productive than sitting outside trying to solve all this through RMA and, and planning issues. You know, how do we work together is a wonderful way to work if we can make it work rather than using lawyers. Let's give it a crack. But the Green Party's Eugenie Sage says there's an inherent conflict. The arrangement with Fonterra, um, where Fonterra says it's spending $2 million, that's not actually going directly to DOC, it's Fonterra spending it, we understand. That potentially creates a major conflict of interest for the department where you've got a commercial organisation that wants increased dairying, increased agriculture intensification, yet the department is charged with protecting our native fisheries and conservation. So there's a real conflict there. And I think what we're seeing with through a TANIFA is the department pulling back from advocacy that will potentially um, be not popular with its sponsors like Fonterra. She says under the national government, the RMA advocacy by DOC has halved. Forest and Bird points to the Tukituki River, which could be affected by a dam at Rua Tanifa and which is home to a number of threatened fish species. It says preserving freshwater fisheries as far as is practicable is one of the department's statutory functions. In the last week, Lou Sanson told a meeting of federated farmers that groups such as Fish and Game and Forest and Bird seem to see the fight for conservation on the Tukituki as a battle. He said Doc would need a quarter of a million dollars to get involved in the issue and the department thought the people of Hawke's Bay would feel just as strongly about clean water without the department having to spend the money. Forest and Birds' Kevin Hackwell says the withdrawal from what he sees as a core role is in fact the opposite of partnering with community groups. And that's falling to community groups to do instead. So this idea that the department wants to go out and do more work with the community, well actually we're watching the department withdraw from its statutory responsibilities and actually putting a load on the community um, to fulfil what it, the department's been told by parliament it should do and it gets funded to do. While critical of the changes, sectors such as the PSA do want to work with the new structure to make it a success, if at all possible. Eugenie Sage says the Green Party also recognises the economic importance of conservation and New Zealand's clean green image. And that's why the party argues that the government should reprioritise funding so that DOC is adequately resourced. There's a very real risk that DOC will want to agree to more commercial activities on conservation land as part of that partnership approach, rather than ensuring that our native plants and wildlife and their habitats and ecosystems are safeguarded. We've got a huge range of threatened species in New Zealand. You've had the Auditor-General's report saying that DOC can only manage, with current funding, an eighth of the conservation estate and 200 of the more than 1,200 threatened species. You've got a department with a budget equivalent to that of the Hamilton City Council, yet responsible for managing a third of New Zealand's land area. With the changes and events of recent times, Labour's Ruth Dyson feels some parts of the public have lost faith in the department. It can be regained. Um, funding isn't the only answer. I think that the leadership from government is really important, that conservation isn't sort of put as a nice to have, but we're quite busy with other things. The shared decision making that the Minister of Conservation now has with other ministers is, uh, has really weakened the role of the department. Uh, I hope that 
the um, advocacy role and the the primacy of the value of conservation can be restored to the department and New Zealanders can regain their confidence. DOC's Director General Lou Sanson says he's committed to maintaining the trust of New Zealanders. I'm going to work hard on that faith. I'm here to lead this restructuring. I'm here to make it work. Um, the faith of Kiwis in the Department of Conservation is incredibly important to me personally and to us as an organisation. And we cannot go ahead without the trust and the relationships we have with the communities of New Zealand. I'm Philippa Tolley and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or send us a tweet at rnz underscore insight.